Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Get out of your seat. Welcome our visitors. play through the course, get your book, turn over to page number 539, I will sing of my Redeemer, they're going to play through the course, so y'all get ready, page 539.
Let's let rushers come forward to receive our offering. And uh, let me say it's a joy to have those that are visiting with us today. And we appreciate all of our visitors here. And I see several that are visiting with us. And we'd like for you, if you would, please to fill out a visitor's card if you have not done so. If you were given a bulletin, there's a little visitor registration uh, card in there you can tear off. And if not, there are visitor's cards located in the back of the pews. If you'll take one of these and fill them out, drop them in the offering plate, then... Uh, We'd like to send you some information this week about the church, but we appreciate all of our visitors being with us this morning. Are you glad to be here? Say amen. amen. <laughs> some of you happy you finally got snow. Someone asked me at Christmas time, said, are you praying for a white Christmas? I said, no, no. I'm praying for global warming. No snow for me. I was in North Carolina this week in a meeting on Monday night. We had six inches of snow. And then on Wednesday night, they got about six more. So... Listen, you can have all the snow you want. I, if I've got my way, if I can get my prayers through, this stuff will be gone by morning. Mark that down, amen. But you give. Let me just make mention, and again, I appreciate all of you being here to number. I know it's slippery in places for some to get out, but a good number here for the snowy day, and I appreciate you being here. The greeters classes, our greeters ministry, we will reschedule those because it's so important that everybody that signed up and for the greeters ministry, it's so important that you be in every class, so we'll reschedule that. And for you that are here this morning to sign up for the greeters ministry, we'll get information out to you this week. But all the other things that are going on this week, Wednesday night, we have our deconstraining classes. That will go as normal. Visitation moves from Tuesday night to Thursday night. Those in the faith ministry, that will be uh, Thursday night, and his visitation as well on Thursday night. So all the normal things going on this week... Uh, all of those things will stay. We'll just make a change with the greeters ministry classes this afternoon and so we can have everyone in those. Just let me make mention one more thing. Jack Russell, his brother passed away. He'll be at Wilson's funeral home and they'll be receiving friends today. I don't know exactly the details of the time and I believe the funeral is tomorrow. But let's be praying for Jack Russell. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now for your goodness and we ask you to continue to open our hearts up for what you have for us in this service. May we give... An expression of our love to you in Jesus' name. Amen.
16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
I'm so thankful that he saved me, and I'm so thankful that he's still saving souls. I want you to listen to the message in this song. It's called, It's Still the Cross. Conservative or liberal, however they're defined, not about interpretation or the judgment of the mind. It's the opposite of politics, power, or prestige. It's about a simple message, and whether we believe, it's still the cross, still the blood of Calvary that cleanses. The price for 
morning. Uh, I know some of you may not like the snow, but to me, I like that thing about uh, where it talks about God. He just wanted to change the scenery, and just instantly he can change this whole world. Uh, it reminds me of a song my dad used to sing, when I look into the sky and I see the handiwork of God. It makes us realize his power and that he's still in control, and uh, I'm just glad that I'm saved. This one says, what a wonderful Savior is he. I have started out to follow Jesus every day, every hour I want to be, just a little more like my blessed Jesus, he means more than all. presence I would be though the storms of life may rage my Lord will guide me what a kind and faithful Savior is he the Lord. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to be finding two places this morning, the book of Romans chapter 14 and also the book of Philippians chapter 2. Romans 14, Philippians 2. While you're finding your place there, let me encourage you to be here tonight 
As you know, on Sunday nights, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. And tonight, we begin chapter 12. And we're going to look at the first 11 verses, and we're going to think about clearing the muddy water about spiritual gifts, clearing the muddy water concerning spiritual gifts. And I want to encourage you over the next several weeks to be here, for we'll not only trust that the Lord will work, use His Word into our heart to help us to learn more about our gifts and what the Lord has blessed us with, but also learn a lot of things about and some answers to all the things that are going on in the confusion that we have in these days. I had a poster I was going to bring you this morning and show to you, and I walked right off and forgot it. I mentioned I was in North Carolina. I was in Davison County, North Carolina. And I've been going into Davison County now for a number of years, in different churches there, meetings and things. But a few years ago, I learned about and became acquainted, not acquainted, but uh, I learned about a sheriff they had in that area uh, by the name of Hagee. And I was fascinated because he is an unusual fella, and he'd done some unusual things. Well, one thing, the first thing that he did when they elected him sheriff of Davison County is he took all the TVs out of the jails and things like that. He painted the walls pink, painted little blue teddy bears on the jail cell walls and things like this, and he put stripes on all the people in the jail and whatever. He just cracked down. He just really cracked down on things and... On the back end, just give you an idea of what, how he feels about things, on the back end of the sheriff cars, you have the phrase, no deals, no frills. And he really cracked down. And I became fascinated with him because I like that. I mean, praise the Lord, I like that. And get tough with him. But I had saw a poster there somewhere that had, uh, for a D.A.R.E. program or whatever there. And I would made mention I'd like to have that poster. I just liked it. And I had Sheriff Hagee and different things on there. And I made mention that I'd like to have. We were sitting eating on Tuesday night and uh, we got talking about Sheriff Hagee and what he's doing and how things had changed in Davidson County since he became sheriff. And I made mention of that poster. Well, someone at the table there the next day went down to uh, Sheriff Hagee's office and said, there's a preacher over our church that likes you and likes what you're doing and he likes that poster. So he sent me a whole gob of stuff. I mean, different posters and coffee mugs and autographed and whatever, but I was going to bring you the one that I like, but it has uh, several, it has a scene on it, but at the very top, it says, this ain't Mayberry, and I ain't Andy. Can I get an amen right there? I like that. <laughs> anyway, let's stand our feet as we honor the reading of his word. I want to think, I want us to think this morning on this thought. I shall and I should. I appreciated Rick singing the little chorus this morning in the very beginning about making Christ Lord. And I, made, I told him, I said, I am going to speak today on the Lordship of Christ. But I think about future events and I think about what will happen in the future, things that we will do in the future. But I think of how the future should have an impact on the present. And I find this illustrated in two passages of Scripture. For example, Romans chapter 14, notice verse 11. Romans 14, verse 11. The Scripture said, for it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so that every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Verse 11 again. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, 
every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. Mark that passage, please, and turn to the book of Philippians chapter 2. The book of Philippians chapter 2. And I want you, want you to notice another passage, a very similar passage. In Philippians 2, beginning in verse 10, the Scripture said that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Look at verse 11 again. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Thank you. you may be seated. Again, this morning I want us to think about I shall and I should. Let's pray. Our Father, this morning in Jesus' name, I thank you, Lord, for the wonderful promises of the Word of God. We thank you for the Word of God in itself. We thank you for a book that is without error, a book that is without mistake, a book that is without flaw. For that reason, Lord, we can believe in every word and rely in every word. And so, Lord, when we think about what this Bible says we shall do, Lord, we are mindful of what we should do. So, Father, as we come today, we ask you now that you'll take a future event and use it in our hearts to impact us in the present. Lord, I pray today that you would deal with our hearts, deal with my heart, capture my heart today, captivate my heart with the very thought of the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray today that every person in this room, before we leave, that we will have surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Every dad, every mother, every husband and wife, every child, every young person. Lord, in light of what the future holds, I pray that you'll touch us here in the present. Thank you again for your goodness. Thank you for your love. For it is in the name of Jesus we pray and ask these things. Amen. It was on March the 23rd in the year 1743 when the Messiah, Handel's Messiah, was first performed in London. In the first performance of Handel's Messiah, the king was present. And it is reported that the audience was so moved and so deeply moved when they got to the Hallelujah Chorus that the whole audience stood to their feet, including the king, and they remained standing throughout the entire chorus. From that time to the present, it has always been the custom to stand during the singing of the Hallelujah Chorus whenever and wherever it is performed. We do the song here, He Still Reigns, and it has just a portion of the Hallelujah Chorus, and we have always stood, and we do so in honor of the King. And I say to you this morning, I think it is a wonderful custom, and I think it is a very fitting tribute to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the King of Kings and who is the Lord of Lords. But yet this morning as I, I am mindful that as I look in the Bible and as I read the Word of God, that more often it was the custom to bow before the Lord Jesus rather than stand in acknowledgement of His Lordship. The psalmist said in Psalm 95 in verse 6, O come and let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. 
Again, it was the custom, and it was seen to be a very popular custom in the Bible that when someone was acknowledging his authority in their life and his rule in their life, they bowed before the Lord rather than standing. A good example of that is in the book of Genesis 17 when Abraham met God. And when he met the Lord, the Bible said that he fell down before him. And the book of Deuteronomy, Moses testified and confessed that when he met the Lord upon the mountain, that he fell down before him. And the book of Joshua, when Joshua met the captain of the host, the Bible tells us that he fell down before him. When the Apostle Paul met the Lord on the road to Damascus, the Bible said that he fell down to the ground. Some in the Bible stood before the Lord, some in the Bible knelt before the Lord, but it would seem that a very popular posture was bowing before the Lord. The verses that I just read to you from Romans 14 and Philippians chapter 2, they make reference of bowing to the Lord or bowing before the Lord. And each of the verses that I read from Romans 14 and Philippians 2, they're a New Testament proclamation of an Old Testament prophecy that is found in Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23. There God said, I have sworn by myself, the word is gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. Again, Romans 14, Philippians 2, both are a New Testament proclamation of that Old Testament prophecy that every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that He is Lord. The scriptures I read in Philippians 2 and in Romans 14, they are very similar. But if you notice carefully in the reading, and I place emphasis upon a word in each of those passages, there's a slight difference in the two verses even though they're very similar. And the difference is the matter of one word. One of the references talks about the matter of bowing in retrospect. And the other reference or the other passage makes reference to bowing in the matter of prospect. One says that we shall bow. And the other said that we should bow. I want us to look at these two texts this morning. And I want us to consider these two thoughts of how that every knee shall bow and every knee should bow. Let me point them out beginning in Romans chapter 14. The first thing that I draw to your attention is that the scripture said that every knee shall bow. Every knee shall bow. Romans chapter 14. I was reading not too long ago the story, reading about how when Alexander the Great came with his army against Jerusalem, and I was reading about how Jadis the high priest went out of the city to meet Alexander the Great. And when Jadis went out, he was adorned in his priestly robes. And he had an upper garment of purple that was embroidered with gold and a golden plate on the foreside wherein the name of God was written. And it was said that it was such a grave and a solemn sight when he came out in his priestly garments that Alexander the Great fell to the ground and reverencing the name that was inscribed upon the plate there. As I read that story, I thought about how one day every knee will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. For the Bible tells us there's coming a day that every knee, every person shall bow before the Lord. Romans 14, 11, and 12 speaks of that and speaks of a future event when every knee shall bow. But look at the text for just a moment. And let me point out two things that the writer has to say about this future event when every knee shall bow. You notice first of all in verse 11 that at that day the Lord will be exalted. 
In that day when every knee shall bow, the Lord will be exalted. Look at verse 11 again. The scripture said, for it is written. That is referring to Isaiah 45, 23. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. Underscore the word bow, underscore the word confess. The word bow that is used here is a word that simply means, means to bend the knee. But the word confess that is used in verse 11 is a word that means to acknowledge. But not just acknowledge, but to acknowledge in an open or in a public matter. What the Bible is telling us in Romans 14, Romans 14 is that there is coming a day that Jesus Christ is going to be acknowledged as Lord in an open way. That He's going to be acknowledged as Lord in a very public matter. It also tells us that at that day that every knee is going to bow. Every knee is going to bend and every individual is going to publicly and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans is telling us that one day every atheist is going to bend the knee. Romans is telling us that one day every agnostic is going to bow at the feet of Jesus Christ. Romans is telling us that one day every infidel, every sinner, every saint is going to confess openly and publicly that Jesus Christ is Lord. Now do you believe He's Lord today? Say amen. Not everybody believes that, but you mark it down. One of these days every knee shall bow. Every person is going to acknowledge His Lordship. I think of that wonderful story in the book of Genesis concerning Joseph. And you remember when we preached through Genesis, when we got to that, I brought a message on the son that became a sovereign. And you know the story of Joseph, how that he was rejected by his brethren, how that he was put into a pit, sold into slavery, was brought into Egypt, and he ended up in prison in Egypt. But he that was went to the pit, went to the prison, eventually ended up in the palace. But you know the story how that he was brought out and promoted to the palace. And in Genesis chapter 41, 42 through 20, 43, the Bible said that Pharaoh took off his ring from his hand and he put it upon Joseph's hand and he arrayed him in vestures of fine linen and he put a gold chain about his neck. And he made him to ride in the second chair which he had and they cried before him, bow the knee. And he made him ruler all over all the land of Egypt. Joseph was put in the pit. Joseph was put into prison. But there came an hour that Joseph was promoted and elevated to the palace. And one of the things that Pharaoh did is he made Joseph a ruler. And he put him in a place of authority. He made him lord of the land. And he put him in a chair. And wherever Joseph went, somebody went before him crying, bow the knee. And everybody bowed the knee whenever Joseph walked in. Whenever Joseph went down the street, everybody bowed the knee. Pharaoh's cabinet bowed the knee. Pharaoh's officers bowed the knee. Pharaoh's soldiers bowed the knee. i tell you something that blesses my heart. Potiphar's wife, who lied on him and was the reason he ended up in prison, she had to bow the knee. Potiphar, who put him into prison, bowed the knee. The jailer bowed the knee. The guards bowed the knee. The butler bowed the knee. The poor in Egypt bowed the knee. The rich in Egypt bowed the knee. Anybody that was somebody bowed the knee. Everybody that was nobody 
bow the knee. Everybody bowed the knee. Well, I think of how one of these days, the heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ, there will come a day that every knee will bow. Every king will bow the knee. Every queen will bow the knee. Every potentate will bow the knee. Every monarch will bow the knee. Every prime minister will bow the knee. Every president will bow the knee. Every dictator will bow the knee. There's coming a day that Madeleine O'Hara will bow the knee. Robert Ingersoll will bow the knee. Thomas Paine will bow the knee. Mussolini will bow the knee. Stalin will bow the knee. Hitler will bow the knee. Saddam Hussein will bow the knee. For one of these days, every communist is going to bow the knee. Every scoffer is going to bow the knee. Every skeptic is going to bow the knee. Every atheist will bow the knee. Every Muslim will bow the knee. Every Buddhist will bow the knee. Every Confucian will bow the knee. Every Hindu will bow the knee. Every Islamic will bow the knee. Every Jew is going to bow the knee. Every Gentile will bow the knee. There is coming a day in eternity before us when Christ will be publicly acknowledged as Lord and every knee is going to bow. I remember when he was in England a few years ago and we visited the Tower of London and saw the crown jewels. And there's no way you just have to see these jewels to appreciate these things. I've never been one to be fascinated with jewelry or things of that matter. But we went through the Tower of London and went in to see these crown jewels. They are amazing. Again, there's no way a picture doesn't do them justice. You just have to see them. When you go in, you just, you're, they're, they're just beyond description. But as you go in the particular part of the Tower of London where the crown jewels of England are, there's a little room there where you just wind your way around and they are like in a bank with these roped off as you go down and up and down and up, down and up because of the long line that is trying to get in there. And as you go in that little room and wind your way back and forth, on the wall they are showing the video of the coronation of Elizabeth II back in 1953. I remember as we was making our way through that line, I was watching that video of the crowning of Elizabeth II. And I watched as she was seated in the royal, seated in the royal chair of King Henry. And I watched as one bowed before her and placed in her hand a golden scepter. And I watched as another bowed before her and placed in her other hand a golden Tell the queen, even her husband bowed before her and declared, Oh, hell the queen. Boy, I, I watched that, and I got so excited, I thought I was going to shout right there in the middle of the Tower of London. I leaned over my wife, and I said, one of these days, they will crown the real King of Kings and Queen of Kings. But you see, there's coming a day, are you listening to me, that Jesus Christ will be openly and publicly acknowledged as Lord. Every knee will bow and proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord of all. Can I get an amen there? The Lord will be exalted. But look at Romans 14 and something else that will happen. Not only do you see that the Lord will be exalted, but look in verse 12, you see the life that will be examined. For the Bible said in verse 12, So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. I think of a particular moral in the uh, chapel of St. George in Westminster Abbey. And it's a memorial, a memorial of World War II, and it consists of four bound volumes of more than 60,000 civilians who were killed in the city of London by enemy action. And one volume uh, lies open on the shrine and a light 
shines down upon the typescript names that appear on an open page. And each day a page is turned in those volumes. But in the, again, in those books there, those volumes are the names of those who died during war. I think about another set of books the Bible talks about, and I think about another day when God is going to open the heavenly books. And in those books are names of those who lived upon the earth. And you might say these books are God's heavenly ledger. For you see the word account in verse 12 is a bookkeeping term, and it refers to a ledger in which counts are kept and they're noted. And in that ledger, in God's ledger, the names of every human being and the record of every human being's life. Now Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 specifically speaks of the judgment seat. That hour when those that are saved will stand before Christ. And that place and time where every believer will give an account of their life to God. But the Bible also tells us in Revelation 20 that there will be a day when God will open another set of books. And in that set of books, it contains the names of every lost person that rejected Jesus Christ. Different times, different places. But in each one, you find that the ledgers of God are going to be open. God's ledgers for the saved are going to be open. God's ledgers for the unsaved are going to be open. And on that day that Jesus Christ is openly and publicly acknowledged as Lord, we will also give an account of our life. I ask you today, have you ever accepted Christ? Have you ever been saved with the grace of God? Then let me remind you, one of these days, you're going to bow the knee. One of these days, I'm going to bow the knee and I am going to openly and publicly acknowledge Him as Lord. And in that hour, I am also going to give an account for my life. Because as I bow before Him that is Lord, He that is Lord, I should say, and when the books are open, he is going to review my life and how I, what my life and what my life consisted of in relation to Him being Lord. Maybe you're here today and you're unsaved. Then I remind you one of these days, you're going to bow the knee. Now you may say no to Christ today. And you may say no to God today. And the offer to be saved, you may have turned it down time and time again. And your attitude may be, I don't want to be saved. I don't want that Christian thing. Then I want to remind you one of these days... No matter how many times you turn him down, and no matter how many times you turn him away, one of these days, you will bow the knee. And one of these days, you will acknowledge he, him that you rejected. You'll proclaim him as Lord, and you'll also give an account for your life. What is he saying? Listen carefully. Romans 14. He is telling me that one day, someday, in the future, just as God said in His Word, just as sure as Jesus Christ is alive, every knee is going to bow and openly and publicly confess that He is Lord and give an account of their life. Every knee shall bow. But here's what I want you to see. Look in Philippians 2. In light of the fact that every knee shall bow, Philippians 2 tells us that every knee should bow. Look at it in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 10. We read it a moment ago. You see the difference of the one word? Paul said in Romans 14, there's coming a day that every knee shall bow. There's coming a day that every life will be examined. It is a future event in which every knee shall bow. But in Philippians 2.10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. 
of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess, not shall, but should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Did you notice it carefully? He tells us in Philippians 10, to Philippians 2, 10 and 11, that every knee should bow. For Romans 14, 11 says that every knee shall bow. But now we see that every knee should bow. I think this morning in light of the eternity, now in light of the future, since one of these days I am going to bow the knee in the future, then I ought to bow the knee in the present. It's like George Whitfield used to pray. It said that Whitfield often was heard to pray, Lord, if I am going to be like thee someday, help me to be as much like thee today. And basically the same thought is here. Since I am going to bow in the future, and since one of these days I shall bow the knee, then I should bow the knee in the present. I shall, therefore I should. In other words, what is going to happen in the future ought to impact us right now in the present. Again, one of these days I am going to bend my knee and confess openly and publicly that He is Lord. And since I am going to do this in the future, then I ought to be doing that right now in my life. I should bow the knee. And I should confess that He's Lord. What should I do? Look at the context. You see, first of all, in light of the fact that we shall, therefore we should, we should bow in acceptance. Look at verse 6 of the context. Philippians 2 verse 6, begin verse 6 down through verse 8. We see how the Lord came to this earth, that He might be the Savior of all men. We read, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. But he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. I think of a story that D.L. Moody used to tell. He told about a story that, that occurred during the days when the gold fever swept California. And there was a certain man that went west, leaving his wife and boy back in New England. Shortly after getting out there, the, the man struck it rich and he sent a telegram for his family to come and join him. And when the wife received the letter, her heart leapt with joy and, and immediately she boarded a steamer in New York and she set sail for San Francisco. But it hadn't been very long. The ship had not been at sea very long when there was the cry of fire. Lifeboats were launched, but they were proved to be too small and too few and they were quickly overcrowded. And as the last lifeboat was being pushed away. The mother with her arms around her son pleaded with the boatman, take us, take us, take us. And the boatman said, I cannot put another one in here. It'll capsize and endanger the lives of everybody in here. I can't take nobody. But the mother kept pleading, hey, please, please take us, please take us. And finally the boatman said, I can take just one. The mother seized her boy, handed him over to the boatman. And she gave him one last hug as she handed him over. And as she did, she said to him, My boy, when you see your father, tell him that I died in your place. Philippians 2 tells us how Jesus Christ humbled himself. 
He gave up his rights. He gave up that which he enjoyed in eternity, robed himself in humanity, became one of us that he might die in our place. He died that we might live. Therefore, what should our response be? Our response ought to be to accept him as our Lord and our Savior. I ask you this morning, have you done that? I ask you, don't respond in any way, but I ask you across this bit today, how many of you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior? How many of you has there been that time in your life when you recognized you needed a Savior? And you recognized that you needed to be saved by the grace of God and you came to Christ, the one that came to this earth, died on Calvary's cross for your sin, and you accepted Him. I say to you, since in light of the fact that one of these days you are going to bow, I think you ought to bow today in acceptance of Him. You ought to come to Him today that He might be your Savior and not your judge. You ought to come to Him and bow in acceptance. But something else that the text speaks to me about, not only bowing before Him in acceptance, but bowing before Him in adoration. Look at verse 9. Wherefore God hath highly exalted Him and given Him a name which is above every name. In other words, the worthy one ought to be the worshipped one. Every knee should bow before him in adoration of what he is. He says, God hath exalted him and given him a name that is above every name. In light of what he has done for us, and in light of what God has done for him, we as a believer, every one of us, should bow. Should bow before him in adoration. For he is the highest among the highest. He is the mightiest among the mighty. He is the loftiest among the lofty. He is the greatest among the great. He is the one exalted above all and given a name above all names. Therefore, we should bow in adoration. Philippians tells us in verse 10 that all of heaven should bow in adoration. It speaks about things in heaven. He tells us in verse 10 that all of humanity should bow in adoration. Things in the earth. He even says that all of hell should bow in adoration. Things under the earth. We shall bow. Are you listening to me this morning? One of these days, every knee shall bow. Therefore, every knee should bow in adoration. Bowing before Him in acceptance. Bowing before Him in adoration. But thirdly, bowing before Him in acknowledgement. Verse 11. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. As we saw in Romans 14, 11, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. Therefore, every knee should bow. And every tongue should confess that he's Lord. Now let me ask you a question. Have you ever acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord? Have you ever submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? And all the things that we've been doing, commitments and dedications, getting a vision and making a commitment to serve here, making a commitment to do this, and making a commitment to, to serve God in this area and to work in this area. What do we mean by that? What are we asking all that? In a nutshell, we're talking about Jesus being Lord of our lives, coming under His Lordship. Now, what do I mean when I talk about the Lordship of Christ or acknowledging Jesus as Lord? You notice the name Lord in verse 11. 
The name that is used here, Lord, speaks of one who has the supremacy. It is one that is a thought that's in authority. And it describes someone who is in control of another's life and is the master of that life. See, when I talk about acknowledging Jesus as Lord, I'm not just saying, I'm not just speaking about how we get up and say, He is Lord. No one doesn't know what it means. Though there ought to be an open and a very public confession of Him as Lord. But when I talk about not acknowledging Jesus as Lord, I'm talking about you acknowledging Him by letting Him be the master of your life. By letting Him have control of your life. Letting Him have the supremacy in your life. I think about something Abraham Kuyper said. He said there is not one square inch of the entire creation about which Jesus Christ does not cry out, this is mine, it belongs to me. And I think about how my life, I am His by creation, I am His by salvation. And there is not one area of my life that Jesus Christ does not cry out and say, this is mine, it belongs to me. And there's not one inch of your life, not one area of your life that does not belong to Him. He is Lord. And one day you'll acknowledge Him as Lord. But because we shall acknowledge Him as Lord, we should acknowledge Him as Lord. Bow before Him and submit to His Lordship and submit to His authority. As one said, Alan Redpath said, and I read this years ago, never got this, but Alan Redpath said, Christ does not come into our lives on the basis of a democracy. He comes into our lives on the basis of a dictatorship. The day you knelt and you asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, He came in as your Savior and He came in to be Lord of your life. And He did not come in on the basis of you voting whether He would be Lord or not. He come in to take over. He come in to take charge. He is Lord and because I shall acknowledge Him as Lord, I should acknowledge Him as Lord. As Peter T. Forsyth said, the first duty of every soul is not to find its freedom, but to find its master. And Christ is our master. Is Jesus your master? He is Lord. Do you really believe that this morning? He is Lord in one of these days. Oh, what glory to be when every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess Him as Lord. But because I shall, I should. Someone sent me an imaginary letter from God. I get all kinds of things from different folks, and they send me these things via email and whatever like that, and I appreciate you sending them to me. And whatever, but I would recommend you just check and see who they have been sent to before because I'm getting them nine times from different people. Say amen right there. But I get all these things. But someone sent me this imaginary letter from God, and it goes like this, to whom it may concern. I heard you were considering a new manager in your life. I would like to apply for the job. I believe I am the most qualified candidate. I created the heavens and the earth. I am the only one that has ever done this job successfully. I was the first manager of human beings. In fact, I made them so naturally I know how humanity works and what is best to get people back in the proper working condition. It would be like having the manufacturer as your own personal mechanic. 
If this is your first time considering me, I would just point out that my salary has already been paid with the blood of my son Jesus on the cross of Calvary. What I need from you is the acknowledgement that the price is sufficient to pay for all of your sin. I need you to believe this in your heart and to tell somebody else about your decision with your mouth. And the next thing I ask is the right to change and fix your life so you can learn how to stay close to me. I will make some major changes and revisions. They're not for you to worry about. I need your permission to execute these changes my way and in my time. I will change your desires and give you the strength to make the changes. Please keep your hands out of the way. Don't try to help me and don't resist me. I really do need your full commitment and cooperation. If you give me those, the process can go smoothly without delays. My resume is included below. Yours sincerely, God. God right here is give us a letter. And it's a letter where God says, I am the rightful Lord of your life. And one day you will acknowledge me as the Lord of your life. You will bow before me, every one of us. Not a one of us excluded. Every one of us is going to bow the knee and openly and publicly acknowledge Him as Lord. Therefore, since I shall, therefore... I should bow before Him and say, Jesus Christ, be Lord of my life. I remember this Sunday night in July of 1972. I'd got saved on an Easter Sunday morning, as you've often heard me testify, April the 2nd, 1972. I went to church that day because that was the day all the family went. So happened some of my family was up. Uh, from Piedmont area, North Carolina, and they were up to visit. We all went to church that day. And I received Christ as my Savior. I walked down that aisle, and God saved me. But I remember a Sunday night shortly thereafter. God really got a hold of my heart. And I got up out of my seat that Sunday night, and I walked down to the front in this old block building that I got saved in. Church had organized and started in what they called the Boone Gospel Tabernacle years ago. An old Presbyterian preacher by the name of Dan Graham used to hold meetings all over the country, had built the tabernacle to hold his meetings in, and then he had left it to the county for churches. If they needed if it was a fire, they had a place to go, have services, whatever there. And the church I got saved in had been organized in that building about seven or eight months. Wood shavings on the floor. Had four potbelly stoves that they heated the building. They had a Sunday school class back here, a Sunday school class back there, a Sunday school class up here, and a Sunday school class up there. It's the only church you've ever been into where you can go to every Sunday school class and hear every lesson that's being taught that day. Amen. But I remember sitting there. We had those old slap pews. They were just old pews nailed together and whatever. I've often thought we used to have a lot of shouters in the church. I wonder if it's a spirit or splinters. I don't know what it was. Amen. But I remember that Sunday night. I don't even remember what the preacher preached on. But I remember getting up out of my seat and going right down to the same spot that I had knelt on that Sunday morning when God saved me. And I knelt there, and when I did, someone knelt down beside me, and I looked up, but it was my Sunday school teacher, Phil Smalling, a big man. And he knelt down beside me, and he said, Ken, what can I help you pray about? And this is what I said to him that night. And I said, I want to give him my life, and I want to give everything to him. And I meant that from the bottom of my heart. And that night, at the age of 16, I give everything to God. I meant it. 
I gave him my life. When I got off my knees that night, I knew what I was to do. I knew that God wanted me to preach. I didn't go to the altar to find out if he wanted me to preach. I went to the altar to give him my life. And when I got up out of the altar after giving him my life, I knew what he wanted to do with my life. But that night I said, Lord, I want you to have my life. What was I doing? I bowed the knee. I bowed the knee and I said, Jesus, be Lord of all. Now listen to me. That's been 27 years ago. 28, almost 28 years ago. If I had to do all over again, if I had to do all over again, you know what I'd do? I'd go back to that Sunday morning at the age of 16 or that Sunday night at the age of 16 and when that same invitation was given, would be given again, I would get up out of my seat and once again walk down here and acknowledge Him as Lord in my life and make Him Lord in my life. I shall. Therefore, I should. Let's stand our feet, please. Romans 14 says we shall bow. Philippians 2.10 says we should bow. Candy, can Rick, let's go back to the course that you opened up with. Glenn, can you pull that up? Jesus, Lord to me. He's on the disc that we opened the service with this morning. Let's pull that course up again. Let's do that again. Jesus, be Lord to me. It's going to be a great day. I, I hear on the, the TVs and the, and the com- comedy shows, I hear them just drag down, make fun of Christians and make fun of God and Christ. I hear His name blasphemed. I hear Him put down. It thrills me to know that one of these days, blessed be God and blessed be His name, every knee is going to bow and acknowledge that He is Lord. Oh, what a universal matter to be and what a glorious matter to be when everyone will bow. Robert Ingersoll, who used to take the Bible, and one of his pleasures was to attack the Bible. And often in his lectures, he would rip pages out of the Bible. He would throw the Bible down and stand on it and then hurl his fist toward God and say, now I dare you do something about what I've done. One of these days, Robert Ingersoll will bow the knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One woman probably messed this country up as much as anybody, Madeline Murray O'Hara. We don't know what happened to her, but one of these days, Madeline Murray O'Hara is going to kneel And the one she denied and the one she fought and the one she blasphemed, she'll bow the knee and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. Every communist, Stalin who vowed to stamp the name of God out, one day will bow the knee. The Muslims, even the Jews who deny Jesus. I watched the other night on Larry King as... Some from the Southern Baptist Convention and from the Jewish faith debated, debated the matter. The Southern Baptist Convention and their desire to want to evangelize the Jews. The Jews called it proselyting. They'll never understand our motives and our methods. We're its evangelists. But I watched as the Jews, and I listened as they, the rabbis they had on there, how they talked about they didn't believe Jesus to be the Messiah. How they believed He was a good teacher. 
And even one of the rabbis spoke about how that he had gleaned many wonderful lessons from what Jesus had taught and had lived. But he was not the Messiah. One of these days, every rabbi will bow the knee and confess that he is Lord. Every Jew will bow the knee and acknowledge that he is Lord. It's a glorious day. It's a wonderful day. It's a day that ought to thrill our heart. But in light of that day when we will bow the knee, I ought to bow the knee now. I should bow the knee. I ask you today across this room, I ask every one of you, man, woman, boy, or girl, young person, teenager, have you ever bowed the knee? Have you ever bowed the knee? Think about when God called Terry when he was dealing with it. He came to me one night. We sat in his driveway and he asked me some things. He said, do you think God's called me to preach? I said, I have no idea. That wasn't for me to tell him. That's God's business to tell him what he ought to do. I knew what he was talking about, but I wasn't going to tell him that that's what I thought. I said, I don't know, son. I don't have any idea what God wants to do in your life. We said, how do I know? And that's what I told him. I said, go in the house and get Angel by the hand. Get you a blank sheet of paper. Don't write anything on it. And at the very bottom of that sheet of paper, I want you to write your name. Have Angel to write her name. And then offer that piece of blank paper up to God and say, Now, God, here our life is. Now, you put anything you want to on this piece of paper and we'll do it. He called me a little later and said, Daddy, guess what the Lord wants me to do? Well, I already knew what He wanted me to do. But making Him Lord. Bending the knee. Is coming and saying, Dear Lord, I bend my knee. You are Lord. And I want to make you Lord right now. I bend my knee to acknowledge your Lordship. You be Lord in my life. Some of you ought to come today. Many of you young people, they thrilled me this morning. Didn't they bless you? I've been so excited about it. Every time they get up here to sing, I want to just jump up and squeeze the daylights every one of them. I may do it one of these days. Make their eyeballs pop out. But they thrill me as I see them up here singing. Thrills me as I see them coming to visitation and other things. But maybe some of you young people, you ought to get out of your seat. You've been living your own life and doing your own way. Won't you get out of your seat and walk down here in this old altar today and do what He wants you to do. Bend the knee and acknowledge Him as the ruler of your life. Some of you have been running from the call of God. Won't you come today bend the knee? And say, so you have the supremacy in my life. Some of you have been fighting His will for your life. Bend the knee. Some of you have been treating Him like we talked about last Sunday. as a, a, an important part of your life, but yet you have never made Him preeminent in your life. Bend the knee. That's what we're asking for. That's the only thing I'm asking for. As I have challenged you in these past few weeks to commit and to get the vision and dedicate. I'm not asking anything for my benefit. I'm asking you to do what God wants you to do. To bend the knee. Why don't you come today? In a moment we begin to sing, Be Lord, why don't you just walk down here and just do exactly what He told you to do. Walk down here and when you bend the knee, you are bending to say, you are Lord, and I want you to be Lord of my life. Won't you do that today? You shall, therefore, you should. Father, today may there be many knees bended. Be Lord of their lives. Father, may we daily bend the knee. May we daily acknowledge you as Lord. 
God, you will be acknowledged. But Lord, we want to acknowledge you as Lord. Jesus, Jesus, be Lord of all. Since we shall, therefore we should. So speak to our hearts today in Jesus' name as we sing.